to share with you a little bit tonight from my journal. I don't do that very often um, because a lot of the things that the Lord tells me uh, really aren't for other people to hear. But I believe we're living in a very critical time in the body of Christ where we are in jeopardy. Everybody say in jeopardy. That means there's an opportunity for us to get in a position that we will wake up and find ourselves in that we'd rather not be in. And the reason we're in jeopardy is because uh, we have to be alert. Everybody say alert. alert. We have to be vigilant. We have to know what God is saying. We have to make that our priority. And uh, I, I felt like the Lord said to me last week, uh, it's not a party boat. It's a power boat that the church should be in. And that if we want the power of God and we want the anointing of God, then we're going to have to make certain choices along the way that are going to put us in that position. And uh, I, I'm going to read a few things tonight to you. But before I do, uh, I want you to turn to Jude uh, chapter 3. And we're just going to go over a little review of last week. And then I'm going to preach uh, what the Lord has given me for this week. We're talking about the margin of error. Everybody say the margin of error. And uh, it comes out of a word that the Lord gave me back in June. And all I heard was the margin of error er, is narrowing for the church, is narrowing for the church. So this word is not for the unbeliever. This word is for the believers that God has called into the earth for such a time as this. And Jude is just a very, very small book. It doesn't even have chapters. It just has verses. And it's just before Revelations. And it says in Jude Three, beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. And uh, it, it, this chapter uh, just again reiterates what Paul said in Timothy. Uh, you know, what's been quoted in the scripture in the last days by Jesus. But in this scripture, we're just before revelations. So it's like the last warning in the book that we have of what is coming in the earth. And it gives instructions for what we're to do. But the number one instruction is contend. Everybody say contend earnestly for the faith. And in Ephesians 6, 12, um, it says that we're not wrestling with flesh and blood. It's so important in the, in the fight that we're in. Everybody say, I am in a fight. Now you may think it's with your neighbor, uh, your best friend, uh, the guy at work, uh, your children. Uh, you may think it's with your mate, but it's not. It's with powers and principalities that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. It calls it a wrestling match in Ephesians 6. And, you know, when you're wrestling, it means, you know, it's not just, you know, you up and smack somebody and they fall down. You, you're contending. You keep wrestling. Everybody say keep wrestling. And so, you know, we know there's a fight between good and evil. There has been. Uh, forever, you know, since the Garden of Eden. So we're in a position now where we are equipped by the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the word of God to actually contend with the enemy and to win over whatever he's doing. But we have to be awake. Everybody say awake. And so as I was studying this, it says in James 1.22 uh, that people get deceived. You know, you can hear the word, but if you're not a doer, everybody say a doer, a doer of the word, that you will deceive yourself. And uh, oftentimes, you know, we want to blame it on 
the devil or whoever. But the Bible says, everybody say the Bible says, that if I'm not a doer of the word, then I will deceive myself. I mean, the devil doesn't have to help me. I will do this all by myself. I will get in a position where my heart will be, be filled with deception. Everybody say deception. And over the years uh, in ministry, you know, we've prayed with people who have been deceived. Um, I have found, at least from my experience in 33 years, that the only way to get a person set free from deception is to get a breakthrough by the power of the Spirit. There is nothing that I can say or do that you could say or do that will convince deception that it's wrong because de deception is a lie that's believed as truth. And so there's no way to reason. Everybody say reason. Once it gets to that, and in the Amplified, it says in James 1.22, if you could put that up there for me, Reuben, in the Amplified, uh, be doers of the word, obey the message. Everybody say obey the message. So that means be a doer of the word and not merely listeners to it, betraying yourselves into deception by reasoning. Everybody say reasoning. Reasoning contrary to truth. Now, the ultimate truth is the word of God. And we can have opinions. We can uh, look at things and base them on, well, everybody's doing it. How many of you have ever heard that from your children? Oh, I heard that all through school. Everybody was three people. Everybody was their best friend. You know, everybody was, you know, somebody that they, they kind of had been seduced by that they wanted to be like, and that was everybody. If, if you ever have your children say, everybody's doing it, ask for a list of who everybody is, and then examine that list, and you'll be able to tell uh, where a person's going. I saw where Paul Doherty put on Facebook today that, um, you know, if you, you want to make right choices in friends if you want to be a person who makes right choices in life. How many of you know that's true? And uh, so when we're choosing every day what we're going to do and where we're going to go and where we're going to be, we all need to choose to run with people of like faith. Everybody say like faith. Now, that doesn't mean people who attend a different church are doing anything wrong. But where you are, where God puts you, that's where God feeds you. And that's the word God wants you to hear, and it will equip you for what you have to do. And then God may move you to another place, even another church. But as long as you're in that place, what you're hearing there is what you need to hear. Everybody say, I need to hear this. Because if you're going to be part of the army that God is raising up in that that part of the church, you know, there's different parts of the body. There's different parts in the church. If you're a part of this army, you know, like there's the army, the Navy, the Marines, the, of course, my husband thinks the Marines is the only part of the arm of the, you know, armed forces, but, but that's the way everybody should feel about their part. They should feel like this is where I belong. This is what I know I'm supposed to do. And then they go 100% behind that. Well, we all know we're called by God to be a light to the world, uh, to the nations. And so we have to get into that place, into that narrow place. Everybody say narrow place. That narrow place that God has called us to. And in, um, I, well, let me just do this. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. And uh, that won't be up on your uh, notes up there. Uh, Reuben, but it's Matthew 6, and let's look at verse, um, or no, Matthew, I think it's Matthew 7, maybe it's Matthew 7, 
Yes, the narrow way. Matthew 7, 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Everybody say destruction. And there are many who go by, go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way, which leads to life, and there are few who find it. What does that mean? Well, we have to make choices to stay on this path that God has for us. And, and there's, there's this wide place that we can be, and then there's this narrow place that we have to walk in. And I believe it goes on and it says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Everybody say, Know them by the fruits. You have to watch for the fruit, especially in the day we're living in. And then it says, um, on down, it says, therefore, build your house upon the rock. Everybody say, upon a rock. Now, that rock is upon Jesus Christ. And the man who builds his house upon the rock, when the storms come, he's going to be all right. But the man who builds his house upon the sand, then that house is subject to fall in the storm. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm talking to people all the time who are in storms in their life. How many of you know a few people right now? Maybe you. But in that storm is where we have to know that we are anchored on that rock. To deceive means to make someone believe something that is not true. Everybody say, make someone. Ensnare, to cause to accept as true or valid what is false or invalid. Uh, Deception is the act of making someone believe. In other words, someone on purpose causes someone else to disbelieve truth. And uh, I'm going to share in a few minutes how the, what the Lord told me about this. But in Revelations 12, 9, who is the deceiver? Yeah, it's Satan. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Now, we have no fear of the enemy because we have overcome how? By the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. But that next, it's, it's on down there in verse 12. But it goes on, it says, and loving not our own life, even unto death. What does that mean? Well, we may have the word, we may have the blood, but if we love ourselves more than we love the word, we are subject to deception. And that is what the enemy is. He's the deceiver. Well, how does he do that to people? Um, it says in John eight forty four, he's a liar. Everybody say a liar. <laughs> that's what Jesus called him. And uh, that scripture is such a good scripture because Jesus is arguing uh, with the religious people. And, uh, and, you know, they're trying to tell him that they're all right because Abraham is their father. And he's telling them, no, the devil's your father. And uh, that upset everybody. And... Uh, how many of you know that could upset a few religious people, you know? But, but the reason he said that was, you do not hear me. And if you really were uh, of Abraham, you would hear me and you would know me. But you don't know me. And you don't hear me. So therefore, your father is the liar. Everybody say the liar. And it goes on and says, and he's the father of lies. Now, we have the father of truth. But the devil is the father of lies. And what is deception? It is a lie that becomes truth. And who is the one who helps you get in that position? The enemy. Now we have to open a door. Everybody say open a door. That's why the scripture says in James 1 that you deceive yourself. When you deceive yourself, it's when you open the door 
to let the enemy come in and bring then what he's going to add to that that will deceive you into a place where you eventually will not know truth from a lie. Everybody say, uh-oh. Oh. Now, I don't know why, but my little daughter-in-law that's out in Tulsa, she didn't know. She sent me this, and uh, she, she put a note on it. And do we have the whole thing, Megan? I, I, know, I sent it a little late. Did you get the, the part where she talked? Okay. She went out this morning, and um, I need the f- other picture first. There. She went out this morning before she went to work out, and she saw this. A couple hours later, she took my granddaughter out to show her this and saw this. She said, I, I, I wish my children knew how to cover up things. <laughs> you know, the, the, huh? How to clean up after themselves, she said. Like whatever's in this hole cleaned up after himself or herself. Uh, that's the way the devil operates. That's the way he operates. He finds a place where we have a weakness. He digs a hole. And then it's covered up. And we don't know it's there. And then, everybody say, and then things begin to happen that go into that root that's down in there that we don't even know is down in there. The devil can never deceive you unless you give him a place. That's why Jesus said in John uh, chapter 14, he said, the enemy is coming for me, but when he comes, he will find no place in me. Why was he saying that? Because he had covered himself on all sides from the work of the enemy. So the enemy could not find a place. And, and you know, it isn't that God, he doesn't hate, he doesn't hate the people. He hates sin. Why does God hate sin? Because it brings deception into people's lives. They think they're okay. And they could miss heaven over it. They could miss heaven over it. Even believers, I think can find themselves in a horrible position when they miss what God is trying to show them. How many of you have ever lived there? I have, and I know I was deceived. Um, 2 Timothy 3.13 says, There will be evil imposters deceiving and being deceived. In Jude 4, after that first verse we read tonight, it says um, that there will be creeps. Now, that's my translation. Everybody say creeps. Creeps, because it says, For certain men have crept in unnoticed. Everybody say, That's the creeps. That's the creeps. And they come who long ago were marked out for this destruction, ungodly men who turn the grace of our Lord into lewdness and deny the only Lord and, and our Lord Jesus, only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's people who are taking the message of grace, taking the message of love, taking messages that are the truth. Everybody say the truth. And they're using situational ethics. They're using situational spiritual answers by saying, well, if God loves everybody, then everything's all right. Everybody can do whatever they want. Wrong. Everybody say wrong. That is deception. Everybody say deception. But there's so many politically correct things. There's so many uh, rules and regulations now, even in the workplace that cause people to even lose their jobs if they stand for righteousness. But there comes a time when we have to stand. Everybody say we have to stand. And so God will give us a way to stand and he will get, do it in a way that will bring light into darkness because he promises it. 
he says, arise, shine, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And the light in us will dispel the darkness. Now, as I read this in, in Matthew 24, 24, it says there'll be false Christ, false prophets. Do you have that one? For false Christ and false prophets will rise. Everybody say, will rise. And show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Everybody say, that's a church. That's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I read this today on Intercessors for America. I saw it on my computer. And it said there's only 3% of the, I think it was the population of the United States, that say they are homosexual or lesbianism. But how many of you know their voice is a lot louder than the other 97%? Amen? It is true. Now, I love those people, and I have prayed with people to get delivered. That is a spirit. It is destroying people's lives, and because we can't tell truth, the deception continues. With the deception comes destruction and defilement. That is not a good place for people to be, and it's in the church. Everybody say it's in the church. Now, how do these things happen? Because somebody opened a door. Everybody say somebody opened the door, and uh, you know, People in my, in my walk with the Lord, I believe there are people now in the church who are going to be responsible because it says that teachers of the word of God are held more accountable than those that are in the body for telling truth. And, uh, and so uh, when I read some things the Lord has told me, I am not, I don't like the C words very well of these, conflict, controversy, <laughs> confrontation, the, I don't care for any of those words at all. And, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, they don't, you know, they sound like we're going to fight. How many of that's what that sounds like to you? We're, we're going to fight. <laughs> and uh, I told the Lord, I don't like to fight. But he said, well, you're already in it. Yeah. The only way out is to, to deny Christ because there is a fight. Everybody say there is a fight. It's called the fight of faith. That's what it is. It's the fight of faith. But it's also a place where we're going to have to begin to take a stand spiritually. And, and that means we're going to have to say what God asked us to say. Jesus said um, in, in Matthew 24, 4. Can you look at that? Matthew 24, 4. That, and this is where he's talking about the end times. And I certainly believe that if we're not in them, wow, what is it going to be like when we get there? Hallelujah. Uh, Jesus said, take heed that no one deceives you. Everybody say deceives you. Now he just said in that same chapter that it's possible for even the elect to be deceived in verse 11. It says, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Everybody say many. And so when we look at second Timothy three, which we talk a lot about in this church, second Timothy three, we have for a while, um, because God is telling us to, you know, you warn, but it also says you exhort and you edify and you build up. How many of you know, uh, warning is not a bad thing. Uh, you know, how many of you let your children play with the stove? You, you don't do that. Uh, I remember uh, when John was little, I told him, don't touch the glass on the oven door. Now, back in that day, the glass on the oven door would get hot when the oven got hot. And, and so he touched it. And so we had a blister. How many of you know there are, con there's, there are consequences to those kind of things? And uh, I couldn't keep him from touching. I could tell him not to touch it, but I couldn't, you know, tie his hands up from morning to night to keep from touching. And for some reason, touching the stove became something we just had to do. How many of you are like that? You know, don't do it. 
I just have to now, you know. Uh, yeah, there are. That's true. My husband is one of those. Um, <laughs> don't touch the paint. He has to touch the paint. So he, he's whatever color the paint was. But know this: that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves. Everybody say of themselves. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and holy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty lovers of pleasure of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. That's, that is a, a quick way to deception. Very fast. Slippery slope. And so in Acts 5, this is the, the chapter that God just stuck in my heart because the root problem is our heart. Everybody say our heart. See, what does Jesus ask for? What does he ask for? It says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if we if we uh, receive Jesus, we, we confess him, we believe in our heart that he is Lord, and we confess with our mouth and we are saved. Well, the enemy wants your heart because he just wants to be whatever God is because he's an imitation, but he wants the same thing. And so he wants your heart. And so in Acts chapter 5, how many of you know the story of Ananias and Sapphira? Oh, boy. We do not want to be that. But this is what it says. A certain man named Ananias with Sapphira's wife sold a possession, and they kept back part of the proceeds. His wife's wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to what? To lie. Now, who is the liar? And what has he filled his heart with? A lie. Now, I am sure he did some reasoning contrary to truth to put himself in this position. Ananias and his wife, they probably got together and said, well, you know, who will ever know? Isn't that what the enemy says when you're about to do something you shouldn't? Who will ever know? Well, I tell you, Facebook is a great way to know. (laughs) I almost got off, but then I find out what everybody's doing on Facebook. They forget I'm on there and I hear it all, see it all. And you know what I do? I pray because the enemy is after the church. And, and he, he's after me. I mean, I had a meltdown one night out here. I have to tell you. Oh, do I have to tell him, God, I do. I do. <laughs> I was bad. There were, there were two teenage boys and a girl out back in a truck. Now, my husband was out there. My sister was out there. And I was in my, my uh, edge. And I had my grandson and my little granddaughter in the back. And I was sitting there, and the guys pulled up beside me. Listen, I apologize. It was your son who was driving. Um, but I, 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 I repented all over myself. So I looked at them, and the kid said to me, the young one on the passenger side, want a, want a drag like, you know? And I go, really? And so I just hit the gas. And I jerked forward. And he said to Jake, hit it. She's doing it. So I ran. And we both raced toward the laundromat. And about this soon, I realized somebody's going to come around the corner. I'm going to kill everybody. So I stopped. My husband was over there saying, I can't believe. And my sister was like this. 
because I'm the non-rule, I never break rules. Chris breaks all kinds. I mean, she'll say to me, let's break the rule. We need to be first in the line. Come on, we're doing it. And I will not move. I mean, if I'm here, I wait my, and so she was like in shock. So I was, I said to Jack, that was wrong. Grandma was wrong. Really wrong. Grandma was really wrong. We don't ever do that. And I, <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't want to influence him badly. And so I took them home and I went back to Chick-fil-A. And when I pulled in at Chick-fil-A, I repented to God all the way to my daughters, all the way to the Chick-fil-A. I said, God, I'm so sorry. Now what do I do? I mean, the pastor, I'm the pastor. I can't do this. And so I'm driving through and I see a red truck and I thought, oh, it's Jake. It's them. It's them. They've, God, you've put them at the, right where I am. So I get my sandwich. I go around and I creep over because I, you know, they're teenagers. I don't want to think I'm creeping on them, you know, so I'm trying to see. And it is them. And so they see me. They go, oh, Pastor Pam, Pastor Pam, that was the coolest thing you did. <laughs> I said, that was not cool. That was wrong. That was very wrong. I repent, I repent, I repent. And, and the one guy said, well, I still think it's cool. <laughs> Now, that was wrong. Everybody say that was wrong. See, we can be tempted just that quick. That, if, my, if my nephew Rodney had seen me, he would arrest me. He wouldn't even care. He would arrest me because I did the wrong. I mean, give me a ticket. That would have been cool, yes. <laughs> Rodney, if you're listening, I'm sure this, I've passed the time of coming back after me. Hallelujah. Besides, I repented, Rodney. Um, everybody say the deceitfulness of sin. See, I could have caused a horrible situation, but at the moment, I don't even drag race. I mean, I only drove my dad's car one time, 100 miles an hour on the highway, just because I wanted to see if it'd do it. And that was all I did in high school, wrong in a car. I mean, I was misobey the law. And here I drag raced right out behind the church. How dumb can you be? You think I'd do it in a back alley somewhere or something. And I can't say the devil made me do it. There was just something about those boys <laughs> acting like they could beat me in a car. <laughs> I just had to show them. I'm not, watch this. So everybody say deceitfulness. Now, listen, I'm not allowed with the youth very often, so don't worry about it. <laughs> they don't let me over there. Hallelujah. But it says in Hebrews, you know, the children of Israel, they got deceived. Everybody say deceived because they didn't obey God and it became a disaster for them. And it says, um, let me look at this so I get it right. 12, beware brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another while it is yet today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. See, when the enemy gets a place in your heart, then that's, that becomes his door to attach all this garbage on because it's just like the opposite of the kingdom. When you believe in Jesus, he takes a hold of your heart. Didn't he say in Hebrews that he wasn't going to control people outwardly. He was going to, he was going to write the law in their heart and that they would love him and obey him. So out of our heart, you know, the Bible says in Proverbs, out of our heart flow, the issues of life. Everybody say life. Now, it's very clear in John 10, 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I come to give life and life more abundantly. In Proverbs 4, if you could, uh, 5, if, uh, that's supposed to be 4, 4, 20 through 23, Reuben. Sorry about that. Proverbs 4, 20 through 23. It says that we're to guard our heart. Everybody say, guard your heart. Guard your heart. 
Now, your heart uh, sometimes will believe anything you tell it. The Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, but our mind also speaks very loudly. How many of you know your mind can overrule even what you think is the right thing to do? And it says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart for their life to those who find them health to all their flesh. flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth. A deceitful mouth is a heart that begins to become deceived and then begins to speak the deception. And just like the word of God, when you know the word of God and you speak truth and you hear it, it reinforces it. When you speak lies enough, it reinforces that they are the truth. And pretty soon you're, you're snared in that, in that snare. Uh, it says in 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, be sober, be vigilant, because your enemy, like a roaring lion, goes around seeking whom he may devour. But it says resist him steadfast in the faith. Um, in 2 Timothy, it says we have to continue in the things. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. Continue in the things you have learned, which are the Holy Scriptures. And then it says in the end of that, that you'll be ready. Everybody say, be ready. Let's look at that. You must continue in the things which you've learned and been assured of, knowing them from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for, direct, for doctrine, for reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So that's the way we counteract that deception that's trying to come against us. It will come against you in many ways. Uh, you know, for me that night, it was, you know, drag racing in the back parking lot of the church. Could have been something even more serious. Uh, you know, God began to tell me at the beginning of this year that there, you know, we would have um, a mid-course correction for multiplication. Uh, I had no idea what that involved. But as I've gone through it, I know this, if you do not keep your heart with all diligence and you do not watch what you believe and what you focus on, the enemy will find a place. Everybody say, find a place. And uh, I was praying about a situation just uh, in, it was back in, I guess it was around that time that I got this word and it was for a person, but um, when he gave me this message about the margin of error and I said, Lord, how is this happening in this situation? And uh, he said they opened a door. Everybody say opened a door. And, and he took me exactly to where the door opened. Uh, they got hurt in a situation. It was a relationship. And how many of you know that uh, young people who get involved in relationships, oftentimes they get so emotionally involved. And then when the thing falls apart, it's, it's so hurtful. And, you know, they're young and they're, you know, they don't know what to do with all of that. And, and the Lord said to me when that, when that happened, the door was opened because they got hurt and they didn't deal with the hurt. Then out of that relationship, they end up in a, another relationship that is not a good relationship because they haven't fixed that place in their heart. And everybody say the beginning of deception. And so it's a heart. Everybody say their heart. See, God, God sent Jesus to heal the broken 
hearted because when people's hearts are broken they're in a position for deception even in john 14 when it says let not your heart be troubled uh, believe in me uh, you know believe you believe in god believe also in me i go to prepare a place for you and when i've prepared that place i will come for you then it says in john 14 27 my peace i give to you not as the world gives to you do i give to you therefore let not your heart be troubled then it's just two verses after that he says satan is coming for me but he will find no place and so uh all those places come out of a heart that's that's been hurt and that's that's when god said to me the margin of error is narrowing and uh and i wasn't even thinking that this person was in a wrong another you know relationship i didn't think that this one was wrong but i was quickened to just this pray that they stay in a relationship what i for what i have for them not for what they think is me uh you know when you're hurting you can hear all kinds of things everybody say deception and the enemy can make it look he's the angel of light it says in situations where he wants to bring deception and so um i begin to pray in that situation and i've continued to pray but uh, and then the first of uh the end of june right before the first of july this is what i heard and um, and i'm going to read some of it to you tonight because i believe it's true for the whole church um this is what i heard um why do you talk about the power of the Holy Spirit but not introduce the people to the baptism? Everybody say, correction. It's, it's my power that produces witnesses, empowerment. Focus on empowering the body, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Show me. I, I said, show me how to do this. <laughs> this is just me writing in my journal. I ask God questions when he tells me things. And, uh, and then I, this is what I heard. So important for what is coming. Controversy is not bad. Now, I just... I don't like to write that because I think it is. But it, that's what God said. It happens as a result of conflicting reports. There are conflicting reports. Mine and the world's. If you shy away from presenting the truth, there will be no controversy, but there will be no light. No revelation. Proverbs 29 will continue. It says, without redemptive revelation, the people will perish the the world will continue to perish truth must be told even if not accepted the gospel has always created controversy if i am working with you there will be controversy it cannot be avoided strong uh, controversy is strong disagreement about something among a large group of people my life was surrounded by controversy it is the devil trying to spread his report but my report is higher because there is no power or authority with it light and darkness truth and lies it has been ever since time began in the church it cannot be avoided sometimes you just want to stop writing because <laughs> i know this is going where everybody say i'm going to have to speak be strong in me don't fear what man says or thinks you are in a test how many of you know god test us a test to perfect strength in you to stand and speak words that will create controversy now this is getting going from bad to worse. Before there was just going to be controversy. Now I'm going to create controversy. Prepare for the battle. Ephesians 6, 10, 2 Corinthians 10, 3, and Proverbs 24, 10. It says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Then it's, but don't shrink back in the day of battle. Look for the battle plan. This is war. The enemies of God are storming the beaches, and my people are sunbathing. 
not awake nor alert. Because they love pleasure, pleasure and are content, they don't even notice the enemy's invasion. He is marching right past them. Before they wake up, they're surrounded in front and behind. Sound the wake-up call. Alert the troops. Defend the territory God has given you. Like stormtroopers. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but identify places, beachheads. Do not surrender. Give the word and the Holy Spirit full attention. Don't be looking around. What is around is to scare you. Keep focused. And about that time, I heard a lady in the park, and she had all her ducklings. It was one of those daycares. Do I have a minute? Yeah. And she was going, I hear her yell, ready? And they go, ready? And she says, you might know this one, but it, it said, um, going on a bear hunt. And they go, going on a bear hunt. Going to get a big one. Going to get a big one. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. And I can't remember the rest. But the Lord said to me, that's the way you do it. And he began to speak to me. <laughs> I'm just telling you how, what I heard. I mean, I know this, but some of you are looking at me like, (laughs) but you know, God, God is everywhere. He knows what's going on and uh, time to take the enemy down with spiritual force, not human laws. Um, Laws do not change behavior. They hold it in check, but do not change it. The word changes behavior, attitude, direction, and purpose. Equip the saints. The first equipment I gave them was all of me in the person of the Holy Spirit, boldness, and the baptism. Prepare the troops with all their weaponry. Don't ask them, tell them. Make them strong in me. Concentrate on what I say. The laborers are coming. Assign them task. I will show you. Command them and demand respect. Give it, and you will get it, and loyalty above all else. If not there, move them to a lesser position where they have little, if any, influence. Everybody say, when God speaks, everybody should listen. Unity at all costs. Make your questions direct, strong, and bold. Do not settle. It will hurt you and them. And then he said, there will be no protection for them. Uh, and then I heard this, um, only the stout-hearted can go with you now. And then this leader, when she, the leader of the kids, is talking, they are listening because they have to repeat it. So when she says, ready, they know they have to say, ready. When she says, we're going on a bear hunt, They're going to say, going on the bear. Now, listen, God is so smart. Listen to this. He said, when she, the leader of the kids, is talking, they're listening because they have to repeat it. She keeps their attention. When they get too noisy and begin to wonder, she didn't yell, hey, you, Johnny, get over here. She shouts, ready. And all those wandering kids get back in line and go, ready. Now, isn't that brilliant? I would be screaming, you're going to fall down the hill. Get away from the edge. You know, that was, that's how I handled those kind of things back in the day. When they get too noisy and begin to wonder, she, her, she barks the words again. Those close hear her, and the stragglers get distracted. They stop listening. She yells, ready, and they know, ready, and they jump in line. You cannot control the stragglers. They will not follow because they have been separated by the distractions. Keep formation with those who are listening in tight formation. Be aware of when you need to bark the orders, words of encouragement, etc., and have them repeat them after you. You can't be thinking other thoughts. They, they, other thoughts. They are connected, bold, firm. So many voices. 
you must hear the shepherd over the noise, the pretties, and the distractions. A firm, strong, persistent, loving, caring leader, one that will fight and defend them, they will hear and they will follow. The tumult tries to drown out the voices of the good shepherd. Hold fast to your voice, to your words, and to your sheep. I'm holding fast to all of you, okay? I'm trying. I won't teach you how to drag race. Great is your reward and theirs as well. And this is what he said. I get what I want is the cry of the people today. Not I want what God has for me. Such a deception. I give the obedient the desires of their heart because it won't become their idol. The enemy gives them their desires to spoil them. And it does. And that's what I heard. And that's why I'm sharing on deception. Because I believe we're here. And I believe it's time for somebody to bark the orders from headquarters. You know, uh, they changed the whole weather channel, which really disrupted me. I liked my main guy on there. I thought he was very nice. Now we got all these people, and they're talking about everything. And I'm, but I'm trying to agree with it. But it's called AM headquarters. I believe God is speaking from heaven very clearly to the church, to anybody who's listening. And uh, when I heard that woman and I saw the effect that she had on those children, uh, it was amazing. It was amazing. I mean, I can't even get through the park with three grandchildren. <laughs> Truly. I mean, they're everywhere. They're up over the hill. I'm trying to see where everybody went. Isn't that true, Annabelle? It's, it's not good. But she, caught, she got them all together because they were following her orders. And they knew what to do. Now, there's security in that. And were they all safe? Yes, they were. Except when they get straggling behind too far to be able to hear. I want to hear what God's saying. I want to hear what God's saying so that we can share with you what we believe God's saying so that everybody stays in a safe place. Amen. There are multitudes coming out of darkness that will come into this church and only the anointing and power of God will set them free. We can preach a hundred messages, but we can lay hands on the sick. We can cast out devils. We can pray in the Holy Ghost and God will do it all just like that. Amen. Let's stand up together. Father, I thank you for everybody in this church. I thank you that you have called them for such a time as this. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you that, that we will not live in a world where there's deception and allow it to drag us in to what it's doing. But we will remain fixed. The Bible says, Lord, that thanks be to God who gives us the victory. And, and in that position, that we remain steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I pray over every person in this church. I thank you, Lord, that they have ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. I bind the works of the enemy over their lives in Jesus' name. I thank you that any place that's an open door right now that the enemy is working through, I thank you, Father, that, that like that picture... It may be underneath what looks like everything is all right, and it's not all right. It is not all right because it's working behind the scenes. I just tonight ask you, Lord, to you show them. You show them what might be in that place. If you're here tonight and you say, you know, things have not been going right in my life. They, they have not been going the right direction. Without Jesus, they never will. That's step number one. 
And if you're here tonight and you've never received Jesus or you've known Jesus and you, you've made choices that have taken you away from the plan of God and you recognize that and you're here in this house tonight, we want to pray with you and, and help you get back on the right track or get on the right track and begin with God to do the, those things that God is asking you to do. If you're here tonight and you know that there is an open place, you may not even know what it is, but God does. Sometimes we it's so far uh, removed from what we see with our natural eyes that we can't even find it, but God sees it. And I pray for you tonight that you would you would have eyes to see and ears to hear what that might be. If you're here and you've never received Jesus and tonight you want to make him Lord of your life, it's very simple. You just ask him to come into your heart. You tell him, I believe that you're the son of God and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And the Bible says you will be saved. You'll be delivered from destruction. You won't have any power over you. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.